I'm Hamish Bowman, a part of Ray White New Farm and director of Ray White Projects. Welcome to The Collegiate, an ongoing series of casual but in-depth conversations with my colleagues. These are some really interesting people I've met throughout my career at Ray White and New Farm, and we're going to talk to them and get a better insight as to the growth of their careers and what happens behind the closed doors. In this episode, we're sitting down with Nicholas Given. Nick and I delve into his background, his deep family roots, another failed acting career, manager of a call centre in Sydney, then working with Matt Lancashire within his team, to now being a Ray White elite agent, being 1% of the Ray White agents nationally. Now he's taken on a senior role within the business. We'd love to plug our socials, stay connected with us through YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram, at Hamish Bowman. Let's dive in and see what's in store. Nicholas Given. Hi. Thanks very much for coming to the Collegiate and spending some time with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Obviously, you're um, you're very much part of the furniture at Ray White New Farm, and um, you were here when I started, and now you're just kicking it out of the park and, and leading from the front. Mm. We're um, we're interested to see the journey. Obviously, you know from what I gathered, you were you were a Brisbane boy, and I knew you went down to Sydney for a, for a for a period of time, came back. We're in Team MBL, Team Matt's team, yeah. and then as a lead agent. And just sort of, from what I can see from Matt looking in, very process-driven, love a good auction, you run a, an immaculate business. So let's let's dig in, Nick. Yeah, I'd love to. Let's go, let's go family. Your dad's a lawyer. Yeah. You've dad, got a few brothers. Dad is a conveyancer. Yeah. Um, dad's been a lawyer his whole life, but dad actually has done a few, a few other things. He was the director of World Expo 88, when he was wow. in his 20s so dad's done a couple of different things but predominantly always always in the law he did yeah. a bit of dabbling in property development as well but he's always been in conveyancing so it's actually been handy for me being in real estate yeah. so i've always had a uh, someone to lean on with with legal questions and doesn't charge me for it so it's been it's been nice having him there for that and i think when i just started um ross was on his uh in, in, on a nexus and in a, a link between made the professional and more of a a retiring and I think he was doing a bit of landscaping at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And then there was, a, there was a regional pub of yeah, some sort. Yeah, he did a so. pub up in North Queensland wow. and that um, that was fun for a, a day or two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now he lives at Mermaid Beach. Um, he runs a, a complex there called Albatross North and he's he's always loved the beach so he's really happy there now. Yeah, nice, nice. So fast forward, schooling, didn't do university? Yeah. Yeah, did university? Yes, I did. Sorry, you look very... <laughs> university no, no I, did, I did arts at UQ. Yeah. Um, so it took me, uh, I think, three or four years to do that. Um, and I actually, when I finished school, I went overseas on a rotary exchange to Argentina for a year. So yeah. I lived in a, in a country town in the middle of nowhere. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, no, that was um, an incredible experience. That was going to be one of my questions. What, what do the audience don't know about you, Nick? While we're on it, yeah. we don't know about Argentina. Give me one thing now, just... I think the big thing would be Argentina. Yeah. You know, that was um, something that my mum talked talk me into doing. Yeah. And I, it was the greatest thing I could have done because I was quite young for my age. When I finished school, I would, only just turned 17. So you know, I couldn't go out to nightclubs in my first year out of school. I probably would have tried anyway. Yeah. Um, so I went to Argentina for a year and, you know, learned Spanish and lived with three host families. And looking back on it now, that was really an incredible experience. Wow. Very scary. Gutsy, yeah. No, get, you know, you're looking down the year of freedom in Brisbane, yeah. but in reality, all you're really going to do when you're 17, when you leave school, is muck mm. around for a year and mm. not get anywhere. So 
to live in Argentina with three families, mm. that was a, a huge thing. And they're a good-looking um, race, too. Sorry? They're very good-looking. Yeah, they are good-looking. Okay. And I looked very different there. <laughs> How did you? Like an albino in, in the country town in Argentina. But, yep. but great memories. Great memories. And then came back. How soon did you go down to Sydney? Was it? No, I was back for sort of four or five, five years. years. And then um, I picked up golf balls at the Victoria Park Driving Complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, that was also great for teaching me work ethic and mm-hmm. getting the job done. Um, and then I moved to Sydney and uh, to go to acting school um, and fell into sales when I was in Sydney to support myself. So sold wine over the phone, and that's where I learned the art, you know, how to sell. Yeah. And I've yeah. sort of just stayed in sales since then. I really wanted to get into acting, but that didn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those failed actors that yes, yes. we've had one state. of those on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was similar to that, but yeah. I think the one, the gentleman you're talking about, he got a few gigs. I didn't even get a gig. Didn't get a gig. No, I, so- I paid to go to an acting school. No showreel? Sorry? Zero showreel. Zero. Zero. But it was, that's what got me to Sydney and, and it was really fun. And what I do know, Sydney, you were running a call centre. Yeah. So I, I guess was... There was, that's, there's a bit of a link between that and sales and what we're doing here in yeah. terms of obviously calls, running teams, yeah. call blocks and that sort of thing. So yeah. you just sharpen the... Well, real estate's very much a phone job. Yeah. And um, when I started on sales on the phone selling wine... Um, and then fell into the call centre work and started out on the phones and ended up running teams and sort of got into my late 20s and I sort of realised that, you know, earning X amount wasn't going to be enough, you know, to raise a family and do the things that I I wanted to do. So I hit a big crossroad in my late 20s and uh, my, my, my girlfriend at the time wanted to move back to Brisbane to be with family, as did I, and we had a lot of fun in Sydney. So... We decided to move home and I followed a really good friend of mine uh, was working in Ray White New Farm and there was a little window of opportunity for me to join the team there and that's what I did at the age of 30, mm-hmm. which is quite late you know, for, for a lot of people, but it was really make or break time. If I didn't make this work, mm-hmm. uh, I, I wasn't confident on making anything work, so it was really, it, it has to happen has to happen. So Emily, your gorgeous wife, she's a Brisbane girl, so you came back up, so it wasn't... Yeah, we're both from Brisbane. Both from Brisbane, came yeah. back, and you went straight into Matt Lancashire's team? Yeah. 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 So I'd imagine, from some of the stories, quite a quite a robust situation, and obviously a great place to, to learn the trade. It's, it's weird, I've just finished watching The Last Dance with, with Michael Jordan, yeah, yeah. and, and I, I'm not saying this to make Matt look great. It's not, well, please no, don't. That's what I'm not, no, not, not what I'm trying to do, but... The standard that was expected in that team was the best. You know, the, nothing less was accepted in the team. And MJ is a bit like that. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna work with me, you you I expect everything. Yeah. yeah. And and Matt, to his credit, made that very clear before mm. starting, and he still does to this day. Anyone going into his team, he's very mm. clear about the expectation. So if you go into that team, you know what you're in for. Mm. And I was fortunate because one. I had one of my best mates working with me, Scott, yeah. um, and I could ask all the dumb questions too yeah, yeah, and not feel yeah. stupid asking them. Yeah. Um, uh, and also working for Matt, who's a great guy as well, It was I was very lucky that the timing of when I went into that team yeah. and I was able to learn hands-on how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone had just thrown me a phone and a desk, I, I wouldn't have made it work. Yeah. But because I was able to have someone to physically show me what to do, what to say, how to say it, mm-hmm. I learnt really quickly. And I stayed in Matt's team for sort of three or four years. And do you think now with your, you know, what I see as a very process-driven, very successful business unit, you've taken some of the stuff. I see you've got definitely got your own personality over your business, but mm. I can see there's a little bit of Matt that, 
that you're taking the good, you know, the stuff that you think you can roll through your business, mm. particularly the auction process. Yeah. Um, you know, those you always here on a Saturday afternoon. You're always here early. You and I had a chat offline before we started. You know your productive hours. They're probably yeah. those early part of the days. You yeah. Know, and you know, I know you're there. You're sitting there, and you've got your A3 pad and you've got your notes, and I just know that you're getting stuff done. Yeah. And and you know what works for yourself. Yeah. Well, I think the the, the follow up and my process just doesn't change. Um, and you know, when you get 20 people through your open home, and this is all came from my learnings from working for Matt is, you know, firstly, most agents don't call those people back. That's, that's the first thing. Um, but when I follow up, there's, there's no one that slips through a crack. I don't, if there's one person who I'm pretty sure is not going to buy it, I don't then just not call them. Yeah. I call them anyway yeah. and text them and yeah. email them. Yeah. So I just have a, a process which nothing slips through the crack. So mm. when a, a seller says to me, you know, how did you go on the phones? What's the feedback? I know, mm. you know, I can pinpoint every single buyer, what they mm. said, how they said it, when they said it. Mm. So, you know, a vendor just knows that nothing's getting missed. Mm. And that's just a habit. Mm. It's a habit that I have that I just do every day. Mm. And I think that's been the key for my business's growth you know, yep. since I've started. Yep. And you've taken on more of a leadership role. You're sort of running the running the team here at Ray White New Farm in terms of managing. And I see you're doing a lot of one-on-ones, a bit more mentorship. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's funny because when I started, I was the one always going to everyone yeah. and working, you know, working under Matt, you know, I just learned how to do everything. Yeah. And then sort of maybe five odd years ago, people would just start coming to me asking questions, yeah. which was weird at first, but just sort of happened a lot. And I, and I like giving back a bit because, yeah. you know, I remember how lost you feel when you start in real estate mm. and, you know, it can be a bit scary. And I remember the people who helped me. So if someone comes to me asking for some guidance, it's really easy to give mm, it. Mm. And I think, um, you know, Matt and Hazley sort of noticed that that was happening and then put me into a more formal role as a, as a leader sort of within the business. So I actually haven't really changed a lot of what I'm doing. Mm. It's just been sort of formalised, I guess. Yeah, nice, so I don't nice. mind giving back at all. Um, and I'm thinking in recent times, Nick, some, you've sold some of the most expensive property in, in Brisbane and I can think of some of the riverfront sales. And is there a particular sale that you sold, I think, of Griffith Street, and there's some that are a bit close to home, some property in um, maybe Tower Street that used yeah. to live in the house, and you've generally got a, you've, you're very well known within your patch suburbs uh, from your from your school days, and I've, you know, there's some, not necessarily the most expensive sale, but you've got some really sort of heart-driven transactions as well. Is there a couple yeah. there, or one in particular yeah, that you think? There's, there's a few, and I think, for me, the big one is where a seller, gives me the business firstly when they had lots of other options on the yeah, table yeah. and for whatever reason they've gone with me mm. and that gives me a big kick yeah. from the start to know that I've won the business but then I, I want to follow through with that and and make sure that I give back to that seller and you know repay their fa- repay their faith in yeah. my ability if yeah. that makes sense yeah. um, but there was there was one sale um, 89 Tower Street that was my family home my grandfather owned it he passed and then uh, my auntie Annabelle was put in charge of the campaign and she gave it to me mm-hmm. um, to sell and I gave her the recommendations on what I thought we should do and she just she just backed me to the hill from start to finish, mm-hmm. never doubted me. Um, so her husband Andrew as well. And I remember selling it and we sold it for a price well above what any of us thought we'd get. Mm. And, and I remember driving to her after the auction and just seeing the look on her face. And it was that look of, 
you know, one, I'm really proud of you, Nick, but, you know, you've done a, such a big, a, such a great job mm. with this house. And that's just that feeling, mm. you know, I'll, I'll never forget. So mm. it's when people back me to sell their properties and I deliver that, you know, that's, that's, that's a great thing in this business. Nice. And just furthermore to that particular point, I sold that house built yeah. brand new house so yeah. 4.62 which was a an ascot record last year funnily enough so yeah between us we've sold it sold it been knocked over built it so we did pretty well there's a lot we? of stories like there's that there's a lot of stories yeah, people come <laughs> back to you they don't yeah, yeah I know. but no great property great property cool, cool um the the business here is very well known for its sort of its culture and i think we all you know we've we've been overseas together i think twice you and i like you forget about it. like i say to someone we're spending more time now than we have in our senior schools. Like we're starting to have develop a really strong network here, aren't we? Like it's just we almost take it for granted. But you know, we just spoke about a deal that we haven't really actually acknowledged. We sort of were part of that sale, and mm. you know, we've been to Bali and San Francisco. We've got several of us here. We're building a, you know, it's to me, it's a, it's a lifelong thing that we're doing here. So it's and we don't take it for granted. No, and it's grown quickly, and I think it's a very different business to what it was five years ago. Yeah. But you got to remember, it's it's very much a high performing business as well. Mm. So you know, when you think, oh, when you think you're doing really well, yeah. you know, there's always someone who's doing a lot better. Yeah. And I think we're all pretty competitive as agents anyway. Yeah. So it's very important, I think, especially in real estate, to be surrounded by people who are better than you. Yeah. Um, and one thing that's great about this business is. You only need to look left or right, and you know there's there's going to be someone beating you. Mm, mm. So it's it's a high performing business, and it's a it's a great one to be around mm. because you know there's the, the best performers in Brisbane mm. within arm's reach. Mm. And I think interesting enough, there's a bit of a perception out there that you know how do you all guys do it? You know, it's dog eat dog that type of thing. But the interesting statistic that I saw last year was that. 27% of all deals across our network were co-agented. So, you know, I'm sending a buyer to you because I can't find them what they want. You're mm. sending someone to someone else. Like, we're quite, we work together. I mean, on a Saturday, we've got buyers coming through on our WhatsApp and that type of thing. So it's... Yeah, it's, I think there's this perception out there that I've heard from people saying that it is dog eat dog. Yeah. And I, I laugh when I hear that because it, it couldn't be... The, more different to what mm. people think. Mm. Um, there's, I've been here for 10 years and... I've never had a massive argument with an agent, and if there ever is, mm. we just talk. If there ever was, yeah. not that there ever is, yeah. you just talk to your principal yeah. and you sort it out pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. But if that was the environment here, I just wouldn't be here. Yeah. I just wouldn't be yeah. here. Yeah. So it's um, it's very. I don't know. Agents in the last year or year or two have come to this business, hearing what it's like, and then coming here and seeing that it's completely different to yeah. what people think. Totally. And just going back, we touched on family. You've got two kids, Max and Eleanor. Yeah. Eleanor is the most beautiful looking yeah, little five year old. Yeah, and Max is about to turn into a big rugby boy, I can see. He's sort of in the. Is he a forward or a back? Because I know you're a front rower. I think he actually could be a bit of a TRL player. Bit, like he, <laughs> he loves throwing the ball around, right. but I don't think he's keen on the big hits. Right. Um, so, but mate, I don't want to. I don't want to push him into yeah. a sport. Like yeah. I. Whatever he wants to play, he can play. Yeah. You know, at the moment he's he's at Ascot Brothers playing rugby, but man, if he wants to do something else, I just want I just want him to be happy. Yeah. Um, but he's he likes throwing the ball around. Just got to work on the, the tackling technique, I think. Oh, that'll come. We've got a deal at the moment. If he scores a try, I get him mackers. So I'm doing all oh, sorts yes. of parenting fails that yeah. I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, no, they're great. Yeah. They're great. Um, I'm twenty dollars a try at the moment. Are you? I'm, I'm, yeah, I haven't haven't forked out the season yet. <laughs> 
So, Nick, just to wrap, I think that's been great to hear all about you. A couple of rapid-fire questions just to finish up. Sure. Um, if you and Ems were at a, going to a bar together, what would you both buy each other? Um, the, she would, maybe three years ago, have had a gin and tonic, but right. she hasn't had a drink in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so... What would she have? She'd have cranberry juice and soda. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a cranberry juice. Yeah. That would be her. And for me, oh, it's got to be a red. I love a red. A, I you love, love a good love red. to kick off on a light beer, yeah. but a, a beautiful Pinot, that's that's me. Yeah. That's yeah. me. If I um, if I do think about you or we're sort of on a, on a group chat at night, and particularly a Saturday night, I can vision you watching a cricket match. Yeah. And probably a red wine after after a successful auction. Yeah, I've got That's this. That's fair to say. I've got this weird thing that's sort of grown on me over the years where I get on YouTube and I watch cricket documentaries or I watch Shane Warne or Steve Smith play and I just find it really relaxing yeah. where I can just switch. Like some people watch the Kardashians, you know, yeah. some people watch Housewives yeah. or something and that's their relaxation. Yeah. Mine is cricket. Yeah. So I just like watching old games, watching banter between batter and bowler, and I just lose myself in cricket. Yeah. Yes, it's weird, yeah. but I just really yeah, like it, so and it makes me feel a lot better when Monday by Monday. Yep. So that's my thing. Yep, I like it, I like it. Um, a long-haul flight from here to the UK, who are you picking to sit next to? Alive or dead? Either or. Either or? Yeah. Jeez, that's huge. Yeah. Um... I love. I was gonna. I was thinking you'd want Warney. Yeah, nah. Weirdly he'd be, enough, he'd, he'd be good. Weirdly enough, I'm a bit obsessed with Michael Hutchins yeah, okay, or a yeah. Heath Ledger. Oh, I nice. like them both. They're, they're both mysterious. Yeah. Um, I love Carl Stefanovic. Oh, Carlos. I, I, I just. Yeah. I've got. I like Carl a lot. He makes me laugh a <laughs> yeah. lot. Um, so I think out of those three, it'd probably be my my people. Maybe book a two. You know, two business class seats, and you've got. Two of the three or something. That'd be pretty yeah, cool. Pretty cool. That'd yeah, be pretty, pretty cool. cool. Cool, cool. Um, I know we don't have much time for reading and that type of thing, but podcasts, are you listening to any podcasts at the moment or reading yeah, any Yeah, I, I do listen to a real estate one when I'm yeah. feeling all pumped up driving to work, but the Unplayable podcast, it's a thing that's come out with the cricket players oh, yes. uh, talking yes, about yes. you know the Ashes last year. Yeah. And yesterday at home I sat on the couch, closed my eyes and listened to the Unplayable podcast. I think Steve Smith was on it. Um, I think it was um, Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon talking about you know when Nathan missed the, the stumping to, yeah. to win the Ashes, yeah. and I'm, I'm into that at the moment. Right. So the Unplayable podcast is pretty cool. cool. I do think they jumped on a plane yesterday just to go back over to... Yeah, I saw that. Was, yeah. I saw that you would have seen that. Oh, everything. I saw everything yeah, cool. yeah, all over it, mate. Um, Favourite movie? Um, I love Legends of the Fall, yes. 1994. Julia Ormond, Jeez. Brad Pitt, You're Aidan Quinn, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Great story about yeah. family and brothers yeah. and love and love that movie. Yeah. Brad Pitt's very good in that. Got cool. a bit of a man crush on Brad. Like that. Last supper meal, main and dessert. You do like a dessert. It's def- I do like a dessert. Uh, definitely a spag bowl. Spag bowl. Beautiful Italian spag yeah. bowl with a glass of Pinot. Yeah. And then um, chocolate cereal <laughs> cake, ice cream. Uh, chocolate cereal cake yeah. with ice cream. Can't go wrong. What sort of my problem cream? is the quantity Vanilla bean of it. Or it or am, I, am I only allowed one plate for dessert or is it unlimited? That's my problem. One plate. One plate. Yeah. And a big plate of chocolate, Sierra Lee chocolate cake. Oh, it's been the same since I was oh, a boy. I feel like I want to eat that now. Yeah. Um, Favourite hobby away from work? So when you, I know we're TV, we're Warnies, so tonight, but if you, and I know we're time poor, and I know it's kids. Hobby? You, now, I am thinking, you must be playing a little bit of piano somewhere because yeah. I have seen you 
touching the old ivory keyboards. Yeah, sometimes, I just, sometimes I just bang out the piano, man. I think man. we might be able to find a bit of footage there. Yeah, I bang out it. the piano, man, when, yeah. I'm, when I'm at home on my own yeah. and, I, and I sing at the top of my lungs and we, people walk past my house and say, hey, where's that coming from? And yeah. I don't know if they like the sound or if they think it's a horrible sound. I don't know, but uh, I do like to play the piano Was that in, my in quiet the family moments. home or is that something that you picked up on your own? No, no, I, I played piano from when I was you know, four till about 13. And then, um, so my mum, you know, made me do it, which I'm so grateful for yeah. her for doing because about five years later when I was 16, I was bored at home and there was um, Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion 2 <laughs> music there that someone gave yeah. me. And I was just bored. Yeah. So I just sat down and I realised I could read everything. So I started playing it. And, and then I realised that, you know, girls thought it was pretty cool yeah. and guys yeah. that I could do it. Yeah. And it just went from there. So I just sort of kept playing. So now if I'm out and there's a piano around, people always get me on. I did it at my wedding and banged out the piano, man. So it's good stuff. Nice. And finally, what are you most grateful for right now? Oh, definitely family. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Um, and not just Emily and, and the kids, you know, my, my sisters and my mum and dad and my cousins. You know, I know that's a, an answer that everyone says, but, you know, it's... Family is really important, and it's very easy to not realise how much family helps you. Yeah. You know, if I didn't have family or friends, you know, it'd be a pretty scary. Yeah. You know, where I'd be. You know, yeah. I get incredible emotional support from from my wife, and and my my big brother has been an incredible mentor to me. Um, as has my cousin Jeremy. Yeah. Um, you know, my mum. God, my mum's my rock. But my two children, mm. like, it's pretty. And I don't want to sound like you know everyone says, "Oh, my kids, my kids, yeah. my kids," but really, it is yeah. like you. And I think, look, looking uh, also, you've got yourself to the point in your business where I've noticed over the last few years, probably, you've been able to block out a really good family holiday. Yeah. North coast, I think maybe south coast, where you know I know those formative years and age, you just don't have the confidence, probably not the funds and the confidence to book those. You know, three or four weeks up at Noosa where nothing's happening, yeah, and you just block it out, and you've been able to do that and just have some quality time with the yeah. The, the phone, the phone still rings though, mm, you know. know. So yeah. I'm pretty bad with that. Like I, I'm, I'm not good at ignoring my phone. So yeah. I'm, the phone's always there. But yeah. when I, before I had kids, you know, it was just real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate. And then when you have children, you, you sort of realise that you don't get the time back. Mm. Um, and I look at my son now, who's seven, and he's. He's big, mm. you know. He's he's bigger now, and I'm like, okay. In two, he's going to grammar in three years, yeah. and and time's going really quickly. So probably what I'm most grateful for are those uh, my two, yeah. Max and Eleanor. They're they're awesome. Yeah, they're a lot, but they're yeah. they're awesome. All right, Nicholas Given, love the chat. Thank you very Thank much you. for giving us your time. Thanks for having me. And uh, looking forward to watching you go from from uh, Something to something. We'll pick that up. We'll fix that up. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. All right, mate. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, Nick. Love the story. Thanks for listening to The Collegiate. Next week, we'll be talking with Josh Brown. Can't wait.